In our final episode of 2022, we discuss and give examples of common ways statistics are used in the financial industry to manipulate and lie to consumers. Our objective with this episode is to equip our listeners to better detect when statistics are being used to paint a prettier picture than what reality actually shows. We want to wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we will see you again in 2023. Welcome to the F-Sharp Podcast, presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Co-hosts Tanner Bortnam and Adam Henning discuss various financial topics presented in a consumable and entertaining manner. Tanner is a certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, while Adam is a marketing professional and small business owner. It's time to harmonize. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Your future self will thank you. Welcome to the final episode of 2022 of the Financially Sharp podcast presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared towards making you more financially literate. I'm Adam Henning, marketing professional and small business owner, and I'm joined as always with co-host, certified financial planner, JD wealth manager and industry expert Tanner Bortnam. Happy, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well, that was a what? I guess when this will be going out, Last it'll year. be after Christmas. Oh. Um, but as we're recording it, Merry Christmas tomorrow. <laughs> yes. So big well, blizzard up there no. for you guys. Snowed in. Yes, snowed in, unfortunately, or blown in. Yeah. Um, our, our, for those who are listening in the Midwest are probably all in the same boat. It's kind of a large storm spanning from Kansas City to... Minneapolis. Fortunately, that's exactly where our travel plans were. So, planning to go see my brother in Kansas City, and that's not happening. So, yeah, lovely. Bummer. Yeah, just bad timing, unfortunately. But yeah, all the roads are closed from here to Sioux City. So, wow, literally wow. can't go out anywhere. So, grab grab some eggnog or. That's right. That's a, isn't this a perfect out. holiday? Hang out, be at home, cozy yeah. up by the fireplace and watch Christmas movies. Oh, I've already watched Christmas movies many oh. times. Well, watch them again. I'm sure Miles wants to watch them, so he's down to watch them again. Yeah. He's not a movie guy yet, so. But he's already opened some presents, which we've Oh, there you on, go. So. Yep. <laughs> keep your sanity yes um all right well today's episode or the last episode of 2022 we're gonna focus on statistics and kind of all the tricks and um how to lie with statistics how to uh, <laughs> manipulate statistics and we'll try to stay pretty surface level and not get super uh, in depth and nerdy with um, how complicated we can we can define statistics and whatever um, whatever situation or context that you're using the statistics for. But we're going to go over a couple scenarios 
um, that we've laid out and uh, talk about them. So stats pertaining to the financial world and other types of worlds. Tanner, what are we what are we going to start with? Yeah, well, I just want to go over the, the title. I, I love this, um, you know, how to lie with statistics. Uh, just a quick caveat for everybody. That's um, when I took statistics class in undergrad, that was one of the books that we read. You know, it was a really short book. And, and just to clear this up, we're not going to try to teach anyone to lie with statistics. Uh, and the book itself didn't do that either. It was mainly just showing how easy it is to manipulate statistics or to lie with statistics and that we all just have to be um, you know, as aware as we can when a lot of data and statistics are being utilized because it, it is very easy to um, you know, manipulate or take the same data and just frame it in a different way to you know, get different results or get, get a different reaction out of people. And, and you know, obviously, um, we talk about on this uh, podcast, you know, a lot about the, you know, the difference between fee only and commissions. And, you know, so if, if you're working with someone that, that sells investment products for commissions, you know, you, you really want to be on high alert because, um, you know, sales is, is riddled with manipulating statistics to try to uh, elicit a, a certain response, which is to get the sale. So, um, you know, with that being said, I, we both came in and, and had some examples uh, that we wanted to kind of go over. And so I think, Adam, let's start with some of yours, um, you know, the research that you did. And let's talk, you know, let's talk a little bit about um, what you have coined the gambler fallacy. Yeah, it's one of the first things that <clears throat> came to my mind of examples of of things. And like you said, I just I think what we're getting at is um for people to identify when lying can happen and, and what goes into it. I think that's kind of the objectives of the episode, but um, the, uh, I think the most, um, the, uh, the most, what's the word I'm looking for? My brain is, um, the most right. popular, <laughs> <laughs> the most popular example that I could think of is the gambler fallacy or coin flip. Um, that is, uh, some people think that the coin has memory. So if you get 10 heads in a row, that there's a higher percentage of the next flip being tails just because of the previous 10 flips were heads, but that coin doesn't care what the previous flips were. It doesn't have a memory. Um, each flip is made in a vacuum and is, uh, 100% 50, 50. Um, and that kind of spills over into another example of, um, of roulette, um, in casino floors, you'll see, uh, the game of roulette is very simple. So, um, you have a one in 38 chances There's 38 numbers on the, on the, the wheel itself. If there's a double zero, um, casinos will, um, typically modern casinos, um, We'll have a tote board or a board that gives uh, a running history of the last, I don't know, 15 or 20 rolls. Um, and the casino does that because it's comfortable with, they know that the, the odds don't change, um, that that uh, ball doesn't have a memory. 
Um, but the players and the psychology of it think that there's an edge and they're getting an edge based on using that information. Um, so that it, that the reason they do that is it increases the, the popularity of the game. And they found out that roughly, um, 30% increase of, of roulette being played since they implemented those, those screens. So absolutely zero effect on the odds, but the players think they have more information to beat the casino, which ultimately they do not. But yeah. And I think that that's interesting. Yeah. I um, think that's really interesting. Um, you know, cause if you think about it, I think the key to, you know, that example for anybody is, are we looking at one one thing or are we looking at a, a series of them? And, and of course, anytime you're, you know, the coin flip or, you know, gambling or, or, or anything like, really anything like that, the odds of getting, let's keep it with the coin flip is 50-50. The odds of getting heads 10 times in a row is extremely small because we're saying we haven't accomplished that yet. But if that plays out, the 11th time does not somehow now increase the chances of there being heads or tails. It's still 50-50 because it's one toss. But we, as humans, mm -hmm. subconsciously think, well, this can't continue to go on, so the odds keep going down, but but really it doesn't. Um, and, then, and there has to be a regression to the mean, but the, right. the coin doesn't care about regression to the right. mean. Right, yeah. right. And I think, you know, over a, over a huge number of coin flips you will have a regression to the mean but 10 isn't a huge number you know we, we would need thousands probably to get a you know really really accurate um 50 50 type split but um yeah you know and again a lot of these things we're going to be talking about are our sales techniques and our um you know things particularly uh i'll i'll be talking about things in the, the financial world to watch out for and it's just taking something and reframing it. It's the exact same thing. The data isn't what's wrong. It's how we view or try to sell the information or or manipulate it to look different than what it is. You know, the coin, like you've mentioned, doesn't care. It's a 50 50 percent chance. Um, but you know, it's how we as humans process that information. And and then let that emotional side come in rather than just try to look at it logically. Um, well, let's move on to chat because I, I saw this one as well uh, as an example. But let's talk about uh, this dentist ad uh, example that, that you found, Adam. Yeah, as marketers, this is kind of right up my alley. We're cherry pickers. We like to um, uh, squint to see what we want to see. Um, and this example is a perfect example of that to um, take a, a set of data, squint to see what we want to see and, and manipulate that into a, a, a sale or loyalty or, or evoke an emotion um, to, to get that sale. So this the dentist ad example is um, very simple. Take a, a company that's doing a, a survey of sorts. Um, so in this situation, we'll, we'll use Colgate as our, um, as our product or brand that we're marketing. And we're going to poll or survey five dentists to keep the math easy. And we're just going to tell these dentists, give us any toothpaste that you would recommend to your clients. 
not top three, not top one, just any toothpaste that you would recommend. So let's say four of the five dentists recommend Colgate, um, but they also send back another, uh, a full list of, of other toothpaste brands that they recommend as well. So um, the ad would say 80% of dentists recommend Colgate. Um, since four of the five dentists recommended Colgate. That sounds pretty good. Um, but it is deceptive in the way that there was a, a toothpaste that had all five of the five dentists as uh, a recommended toothpaste, and that would be Crest in this example. So, um, And then you can have other toothpastes as well. So um, in that ad we would say that 80% of dentists recommend Colgate to evoke a purchase. That sounds pretty good. 80% of the, 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 the survey results. Um, but in that same example, we leave conveniently leave out that, well, we're not the most recommended toothpaste. Our brand isn't the most uh, recommended toothpaste. It's actually Crest. So we're just going to kind of leave that off of this ad and cherry pick it and um, formulate the the data set to to get a, a more positive spin on it. So right, yeah. In uh, this one, you know, I saw this example as well, and and it's you know it's interesting because it, it's not a lie. You know, four out of yep. the five dentists did choose Colgate. Um, but they aren't telling the whole truth is kind of how I view it. You know, four out of the five did choose Colgate, but they, you know, the, the survey first off did not tell the dentist, pick your favorite or pick one. Right. They were allowed to pick as many as they wanted. And then that information was then not passed along to the consumer. And so the ad itself makes it seem like 80% of all dentists choose Colgate over all other brands when in reality... Colgate was one of the brands that they would say is fine to utilize. Um, so, you know, again, and like you said, that just cherry picking the information or um, not disclosing fully how the survey was given. Yeah, context is, is highly important. Right. And this happens all the time. You know, again, we don't, we're not yeah. trying to say anything poorly about Colgate or Crest or, or any of this. It just, this is, this is how this survey came out. Like this is a real thing. And, you know, so it's, it's a marketing practice, sorry, Adam, but marketing practice, marketing is sales, you know, sales is how do you take data and get it to sound the best or worst, depending upon what you're trying to achieve, you know, whatever your, your marketing campaign is trying to achieve or whatever you're trying to sell or any of that. And so, um, you know, this brings me to, <coughs> excuse me, and I know we talked about this ahead of time, so uh, we'll we'll get the the sound inserted here, you know. But it's um, it reminds me of the movie Anchorman, and you know they're talking about this. If if you haven't seen the movie, it's super funny. Uh, we'll play the clip here in a second. Um, but they're talking about this clone, and it's, it's a perfect example of this. So go ahead, Adam. Sixty percent of the time, it works. Every time. 
that doesn't make sense. <laughs> right? And so so if you remember, you know, if you've seen the movie, you remember that what they're talking about, um, you know, the the particular cologne that that one of the actors is talking about and 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 he says in there if you didn't catch it, they've done studies. 60% of the time it works every time. You know, and it's like well, well, no, that means it works 60% <laughs> of the time, but you know, but you can add that one little piece at the end and that's like, you know, that's the last thing you hear and it makes it sound a lot better. And that's, you know, just things like this that we're just trying to go over today and keep you aware of, you know, what, what is out there and, and, and that, you know, there are these sales tactics and techniques that um, are going to put words in certain places and do different things. I mean, and there's, there's there's seminars and, I, and I've been to them and and you know I've learned at previous jobs all of the sales techniques and and I hate them um, and and you know don't use them at, at Harmony Wealth but like I still have learned them and there's there's seminars upon seminars and books and books and studies and I mean there's there's so much that's gone into the minutia of how to sell and where you put emphasis and where you put certain words and how you keep, you know, doing certain things to bring people back to the end goal, which is to sell the, sell the thing. And, uh, so like I said, we'll, we'll keep working through some of these examples and hopefully, um, you know, get you a little more aware of, uh, so that you're more alert and aware of these things and, and hopefully, you know, don't get sold something that, that you didn't want. Um, all right, so let's move on to your next example, this Simpsons paradox. You want to explain this one? Yeah, it has to do with sampling. Um, and, I'm, you know, as we're talking about this uh, and using this scenario, this happens a lot if you're a sports fan or specifically like – a baseball or, or a football fan, you'll see a, a type of this uh, manipulation every any game you watch. So the, the Simpsons paradox is just using the same set of data showing two different trends based on how it's grouped. Um, and it hides a conditional variable that influences the same results. And how I would say this is used to manipulate some stats is is always, oh, this person has the most passing yards since week two. That's a, a of rookie quarterbacks or something. And it's just like, well, why did you pick that random mm -hmm. time frame? Right. Or they they they're 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 wanting the the result. They know the result that they want. They want to lift up a certain player or a certain stat, and then they have to move the goalposts from from a time perspective and work that variable um, down to a certain po point. And I think <laughs> Tom Brady is always seems to be the, they do, they lift up the most and there's always this crazy stat first per first quarterback to do this since blah, blah, blah. Um, so it usually always works from the result backwards. Yep. Um, and it's uh, manipulating the variables to get the end result. So yeah, well, and like you said, you know, cherry picking certain time frames, and this happens all the time in finance. Um, you know, in my world, um, you know, 
I, I've seen it with advisors talking to their clients, uh, and then even with me, you know, wholesalers trying to get me to use their ETF because their ETF is, you know, better than the ETF I'm currently using or whatever. And, you know, they'll, they'll go back, uh, you know, we'll look at our one month performance or, you know, we'll look at our three month performance or six month performance or, you know, year to date. That's one that's always really thrown me off. Like I, I don't really care. I get it that we have rolled over the calendar and there's tax ramifications from that standpoint. But besides that, as far as like investment performance, what does it matter that you choose January 1 versus, you know, right now we're December or December 23rd. Like, no, let's look out one year. And actually, let's look out even further. But cherry picking those things because, um, you know, one of the wholesalers, just given an example of, of my situation uh, that I met with about a month ago, you know, they were showing the year to date performance and didn't want to show me the one year performance. Like, well, what's your one year and your three year and five year performance? Well, they wanted to focus more on the recency of year to date. Now, again, the markets haven't done very well this year, but their particular ETF that they were trying to get me to utilize had done better than most of its peers year to date. But when I went back to my office and looked up the one year, it was actually underperforming. So they just did really well from January 1 compared to their peers. But when you look back one in three, they were underperforming. And so when you sit there and cherry pick the starting point and the ending point, like you can do that and and really make the picture look completely different than what it is if you're looking at the whole thing. And you know, I know you brought up the sports analogy, um, but I want to make sure we're talking about things in finances too. That this happens all the time. And you know, the another example that this brings to mind um, is as you mentioned of using the same data to talk about different sides of the coin, so to speak, is. Um, you know, uh, how do I want to kind of phrase this? Kind of the the yes, the yes, no, so to speak. Like, like let let me use this as an example, right? So there's a 75% chance of of something happening. So you know, the the first person because they're a salesperson and are going to make a commission off of this if you do this thing is going to be like 75%. Oh my gosh, like that that's super high. 75% chance of this thing happening. We I mean, this is basically a slam dunk, right? We want to be able to do this. We're going to do this. They're going to talk all the positives and how big 75% is to try to get you to purchase that. Now, if you flip that around and you're looking at someone who doesn't want you to do this thing, well, you know, 25%, man, that's a lot of risk. You know, one out of every four, that's not that many. You know, you could, you're going to miss out on this. You're going to take that much risk, 25% risk that this thing's going to go south. Hmm. I don't really know. You know, how did those two things come off so differently when you hear them, but we literally are talking about the exact same. It's the exact same statistic, 75, 25, right? But it's how you frame that. And I'm not good at sales. That's why I don't do it. I, you know, don't practice it. I don't try to do any of these things. But there are people out there that are extremely good at this. And so my example was probably a D minus in trying to go over that. There are people that are A plus on 
the 75 versus the 25 of what they want you to do and all the reasons that you should. And that's the part where, you know, again, as we've said, we're just trying to poke these out and, and get you to be thinking about these. So when you encounter them, you know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm getting sold on something. Like, let's just talk facts. So, um, all right, let's move on to your next example. I'm going to be honest. I don't even know what you're talking about here. So I'll just let you roll with it. <laughs> well, it's uh, samples. It's kind of in the same um, same vein as sampling and, and uh, um, sample bias. So it's just a quick, another example uh, of re- reaffirming that it's important to kind of understand the context of what's your sampling and um it it's a it's a pretty well-known example when you come to statistics um just on the the very um brief research that i did i saw it a number of different times so it's just it's the literary digest presidential survey um with fdr and uh versus landon um and it was famously the literary digest magazine predicted that um fdr would be defeated um and if you go and Google those results, it, it, that was in fact an incorrect prediction. Um, but how they arrived at that um, prediction was because they had um, sampled um, an incorrect uh, or a biased s- a sample set of population. Um, they surveyed, uh, took surveys from their subscribers. They also gathered names from people that owned cars at that time and owned telephones. So they really cherry picked. Um, I don't think they cherry picked. That's a bad way of saying it. They um, had a very huge flaw with who they sent out at, uh, surveys to because it was um, a very similar sample set. They didn't get a good scope of the entire population. Um, so that gave them a very flawed prediction uh, because they were surveying conservative, well-educated, and higher income earners at that time, um, which would have led them to uh, believe that a rep- the Republican candidate was going to win that presidential um, uh, outcome. So that famously was not the case, um, and FDR, I think, won by, what, 523 electoral votes or something like that. I think one of the biggest landslides in American history. So um, that gives that's a good example of um, making sure that the, the polling, when it comes to, to polling and when you're surveying samples to understand who's making up that, that, uh, that survey. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I've so always that, that's wondered. That's really that, all I wanted to touch. Yeah. Just real quick, I've always wondered that, you know, on because we just went through another election year here, and I've always wondered that of how you know, Gallup polls and all these different polls, and oh, so and so is ahead, and they they are projecting who's going to win, not on election day, but you know, several months ahead of time. It's like, well, how many how many people are you polling here? You know, a thousand, ten thousand. I mean, we have we have three hundred and some million people in the country. How how can we know that that's an accurate representation of the entire country when you know it's such a small percentage of people that have been polled? So um, yeah, I think that that's obviously really interesting and goes to show that you know you gotta 
and and again, it's n- none of our listeners are probably creating any of these things, obviously. But it's we need to be aware of when we're digesting the the data is well, what was the polling, and what, hopefully was it done correctly. Um, all right, well, let's. We got a couple more things we wanted to chat about. Um, you know, some more financial things I want you all to be aware of. Uh, but let's start kind of with your your averages here, and we'll work into the um, some more of the investment things to keep an eye out for. Yeah, another thing to keep an eye out for is from a statistic standpoint is when averages are used, and averages is a you can compute averages three different ways um, and they're all correct. So we have to understand, um, well, how did, and you can't really detect this without seeing the data set. So an example I have here is just a small data set of seven salaries and, and framing it in the, the scenario of a, a client asking their realtor what the average income is for the neighborhood. So you just take a simple um, data set of 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, 100,000, 100,000, and 200,000. So of the seven houses in that neighborhood, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 100, and 200. If you compute the average with the, the mean, which is the complete average or the arithmetic average, I think that's the academic word for it. So if you just add those all together and divide by seven, you're going to get uh, seventy-seven thousand ish. Um, if you use the median, which is the middle point, um, that would be fifty thousand. And if you um, computed with the mode or um, technically the 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 salary or income that appears more most often in the data set, you would get one hundred thousand. So. You could the realtor could say, "Oh, the average income of the neighborhood is a hundred thousand, and they would technically not be lying. So you need to understand which form of average are they using. Um, now, I think most people would say and use the mean versus median or mode, but um from a marketing standpoint, I think they're technically allowed to use either of those. So yeah, when I think pretty I think kind flawed. of well, especially the range there, you know, those three options are pretty far off. And and again, these are just examples, but I think you know up to this point so far in in this episode, the the biggest thing is you're never going to be able to get this data, or and no one's going to take the time to look through and be like, let me let me do the research for you on it. Um, you know, I think we're just trying to show, make sure you're taking everything with a grain of salt, you know, and, and probably a pretty mm-hmm. grain, of, pretty big grain of salt. And I'm not talking conspiracy theories. I'm not talking any of that. I'm just saying, you know, like everything that we do is geared around sales to a certain extent. Like we're buying something or, you know, buying a service or you're buying toothpaste or you're, you know, you're buying food or, you know, whatever it is. And they're all sales techniques to, or marketing techniques, however we want to frame it. So just you know, take everything with a grain of salt because it's no company is going to go out there and and again, let's use the toothpaste that we talked about. No, no toothpaste company is going to go out there and and put out data that shows them in a poor light. They're only going to put out the data that shows them in the absolute best light. So um, again, I think the, the moral of the story up to this point is just take everything with a pretty large grain of salt when you hear 
companies or you know salespeople talking about averages or data or you know these these different things um now kind of switching over and i know we've talked a little bit about some things in the the financial world as they've uh worked in with the um you know some of the examples that we've talked about previously but some ones that i i want people to be specifically um aware of that that i see most often in my industry um or there's kind of three, three big things. And, and one of them is, uh, you know, we went over the, the cherry picking the time set of the investments. You know, if you're talking with an advisor and they happen to pick a somewhat obscure time frame of reference for how their performance has been, you know, that, 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 uh, should raise some flags. You know, I would, I would definitely want to follow up with that. And, and then also to be honest, I would, if I, if I was any of you, I would not care what the performance was over the last three months or six months. Again, we, you know, we talk about it all the time. Your financial plan is for your entire life. And so, I mean, even a one year performance, yeah, it's, it starts with something, but I mean, I would be looking and asking for information on how have you done in the last three years, five years, 10 years, you know, get as, get as long of a, a time frame as you can, because that's going to be much more representative of the actual performance over a, over a long period of time, rather than, you know, what someone has done a really great job for a three month period or a one year period, or you've done really poorly for a one year period out of 10 or, you know, different things like that. So get as long of a time frame as you can. Um, and, and then another thing in years like this, uh, where the markets are down, um, this one I have heard often, uh, you know, earlier in my career. And, um, I think it is, well, it's, it's, not just misleading. I, th- I think it's actually really wrong to do this. Um, whether people don't, these advisors don't actually understand how statistics work or they just don't care and are misrepresenting things. I, I don't know. But I mean, again, I heard this a lot and it's when markets are down, the percentage you need to gain to get back to break even from where you were is not the same number that you are down. It's going to be more. So for example, if you know if you're down 20%, let's make easy math. If you're if you have a hundred thousand dollars invested and you're down 20%, your assets are now or your investments are now worth 80,000. So to get back to your hundred thousand is not a twenty percent gain. A twenty percent gain of eighty thousand is only sixteen thousand. So you'd be at ninety six thousand. It's a twenty five percent gain is what you need to get back to a hundred. So you went down twenty. You need to go up twenty five. Um, and this number gets even. It's smaller if if the percentage is less, and but it gets bigger as the losses are more. Um, if you, you know, hypothetically, let's make this somewhat extreme. If you've lost 50% of your money, so now you're down at 50,000. Well, you know, clearly again, you don't need to have a 50% gain to get back. You need a hundred percent gain. You have to double your money from 50,000 to get back to your original hundred. 
and I feel like this is is said frequently from things again I've heard in previous um, jobs and earlier in my career that it is often just stated, well, we're down 20%, so we only need to go up 20%. And we've had years where the S&P has gone up 20%, so we could bank that back in a year. Well, that that's not accurate. So when, you, yeah, when you're looking at, you know, just kind of wrapping that up, when you're looking at your investment losses, just remember, whatever you've gone down, you have to get back to where you were is more than the amount you've gone down. Um, another one that... I see often when I'm reviewing things for clients is uh, is life insurance, um, particularly whole life insurance, or a lot of times it's in, you know, we've talked about this in the life insurance episode, uh, what are called LERPs, um, life insurance retirement plans. And, you know, they're the, I don't want to say the new fad, but I mean, obviously the algorithms on Instagram and Facebook know what I do for a job and I just get, I mean, that's what everyone's talking about. Lerps, you need to do this, blah, blah, blah. These are the greatest. Well, first off, I will just, on a quick side note, if they were the greatest thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Six, you work 60% 60 of the time, time, works every every time. time. Um, And if, uh, if the, first off, you know, quick side note, if they were the greatest thing ever, then the commissions should that you know then they should sell themselves and the commissions that these life insurance agents are getting should be very small because it should sell itself but they have gigantic commissions so let's take again the that with a gigantic grain of salt that these are the greatest investment options out there because someone is getting paid a boatload whenever they sell one of these uh, so that's kind of issue number one I have. Issue number two is on the original illustrations, I have yet to see one that is illustrated at a reasonable return. Most of the time, these are illustrated as, well, yeah, you're going to get a 12 to 14%. You know, I, That's usually the range somewhere in there. They pick, obviously, a particular number. Uh, percent return average year over year well my question would be if if your product can do this like why would you be selling it to anyone else you wouldn't you'd be just taking all of your money and getting a 12 to 14 percent mm. return every single year and not going out and trying to get other people to do it you'd do it for yourself and what we have come to find and again just happened again uh very recently called in with a you know new client of mine and we were asked for a policy illustration update. She was three years, not even three years into her policy. Uh, and it was sold as at age, uh, I believe it was age 80. I'm kind of working off my memory here. Um, it's either 75 or 80 that this policy was going to be worth 3.5 million. And we asked for an updated illustration, and that number had already dropped to 700 and some odd thousand in less than three years because they're allowed to illustrate huge returns that are not achievable. And then when you actually look at reality, you're never going to get there. So that's a misrepresentation. I mean, again, the statistics themselves aren't wrong if you could somehow average 14% per year you would get to that huge number at the end but no one does like the products never do and so 
please be very, very careful when going with uh, you know, life insurance because they are almost always, I will not say always, almost always way overstated in the returns that they can get because it's allowed for them to do that. Um, now, that's a whole other story of whether it should be or shouldn't be allowed to do it, but currently it is. So uh, they, they uh, very, very, very often look significantly better than they actually will ever perform. So keep an eye out for that with life insurance. Um, and then the last one is just, uh, I mean, it deals some with finance, but kind of just more in general, cause you know, we, we, we have this, I mean, with, how, how do I kind of want to talk about this? We, we have it with, you know, the, the government itself, you know, with people, uh, who make tons and tons of money. Um, I'm not saying any of these are right or wrong. We're not getting into politics, not getting any of this, but just it, like it struck me. I, I heard this analogy put into place about five months ago and hadn't heard this analogy. And it was kind of, I was just, I was just in awe. Um, you know, I, I work in finance. So of course I think I understand the magnitude of money and dollars. And I, yes, of course I understand the difference of a hundred and a hundred thousand and a million and all these different things. And, but let's put this into time. That's what, that's what got, we all understand what time is. Like we all understand seconds, years, months, days, all of that. And we've we've gotten so accustomed to talking about these just gigantic numbers and they've become almost, I don't know, like we just glaze over like, oh yeah, yeah, billion. We all know what a billionaire is. There's billionaires out there, right? There's people that have 100 billion in assets or net worth or whatever. Billionaires, not a big deal. Trillion. Government spends trillions of dollars a year. Ah, trillion. Not a, not a big deal. Trillions. But let's put this into time. So $1 million, and we're going to put this into every dollar is a second. So a million dollars and a million seconds. So a million seconds is 11.5 days. Okay, I, you know, we can, we can go through that, right? Like that makes sense. I can comprehend that. Now we're going to jump from a million to a billion a billion seconds is approximately 31.7 years. We went from 11 days to years by adding three zeros, 31 years. And we have people, you know, again, I'm not saying billionaires are bad, but it's like we, we talk about billions, like, like billions is not a big deal anymore. I mean, for the government, a trillion isn't a big deal. They just passed a $1.7 trillion spending just to keep the government open, just for the government to function for however many months, you know, over the course of, and again, this isn't getting political. This is just facts over the course of, since Biden has become in and be, and been president, we've spent over $5 trillion. I believe president Trump. So that will be equal to both sides spent approximately the same amount of money in his four years. So we're looking at $10 trillion in roughly a six year period, you know, like, but we just, the government just throws around trillions like it's not a big deal. One trillion seconds is 31,709 years. So I went one step further. If that's not enough for you, Adam, I went and looked at what that's the a dollar a second, right? Yes. 
Yes, that would be a, if we paid back a dollar a second or you know, just using it equal. 31 trillion seconds is 31, mm. or sorry, 1 trillion seconds is 31,709 years. And so I took this a step further and I went and looked at the U.S. debt. And this isn't, this is just the stated debt up to, you know, when I ran the number as of yesterday. So clearly it's higher because it goes up every tenth of a second. It's going up, you know, however many thousands of dollars. Um, and this is an unfunded debt. You know, this isn't any of that stuff that could drive this number significantly higher. This is just the debt that the government says we currently have, which is approximately $31.5 trillion. If we paid off a dollar a second of that, and this doesn't include interest, if we somehow got an interest-free loan, it would take us 997,246 years. So let's just round that up to 100,000 years to pay off the current debt that we have. And we just are like, whatever, let's add another 1.7 trillion. Huh? A million years. A million oh, yeah, right, right, correct. Yeah, correct. Sorry. Yes, a million Not years. <laughs> yes, a million years. Like, what was going on a million years ago? I mean, did, did humans exist? I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Were humans around? I mean, were, were we in like dinosaur times? I mean, like, that, that to me, when we start talking about this, is just unfathomable. And again, is talking to a certain extent about statistics. If you beat into everyone's head these uncomprehensible high numbers, and then just add trillion behind it, or billion, but it only has a one in front of it. Well, that doesn't seem that scary. One point seven trillion. What you know? It's one point seven. That's not that big. No, it's gigantic. Like gigantic isn't a word. Like big enough <laughs> word for how big of a number that is. One million yeah, like years. A billion people are like oh billionaires, but they throw away that throw around that term. term. Right. That's a thousand millions. Right. Right. Yes. A thousand, yes, a thousand millions. millions. Right. You have a million dollars. You have a million dollar stack. You have a thousand of those. Correct. <laughs> like, and that is the part that is just like, and, and, and particularly to pick billions. on. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. And that, that's the part yeah. to pick on the government because they're the ones that do this because they're the ones that set all of our prices and, you know, continue to rack up our debt, our, our leaders that we, we put out there. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't think they comprehend this. So, ah, whatever. Another 1.7 trillion, whatever. Like, I mean, this isn't just art. This just isn't go like to a, usdebtclock.org. And yes, that's where it. I got this. That's where I got this <laughs> off of. Um, you know, that's and that's depressing. the thing. Like, we all talk about, it, like, oh, you know, the previous generation, and I've, I've been one of these, racking up this debt, we're going to have to pay. There, there's no way we're paying this. Like, my generation, I, I, we will never pay this in my generation. It's going to take a million years. <laughs> Like, you, you know, it's we would need not... every single person to pay seven grand, and we'd be out. No, it was like eighty three thousand dollars. Was the oh maybe per I'm like taxpayers a, I'm like a debt per citizen? Uh, oh I'm well, sure, that could be per citizen, but that's like saying you know, every baby and people who don't have uh, incomes have to pay. For oh, taxpayers. debt per citizen ninety four thousand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely wrong. Yeah, wrong clock. Yeah. For, I mean, but again, and this isn't to sit here and, and bemoan this because that's not that's not what this episode is about. But again, this is what happens in in statistics and and manipulating things. Sometimes things are so big that 
it's easier to just add a different name to the end of it, like billion or trillion, and then bring it back down and be like, well, it's only one. And then us, you know, as humans, subconsciously like, oh, I understand one. That's not that big. But we don't actually mm-hmm. like fully grasp then what this trillion thing is. Um, so we're going to kind of wrap it up on that one. Lots of positive vibes there of how much debt we're in as a country. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Uh, but yeah, uh, and I mean, I guess I'll ask anything else you want to add on that. I don't want to cut you off if there's some things you wanted to say. I had something, but then I started looking at this debt clock and I'm just. Yeah. Oh, it just, it just spins. <laughs> yeah. Just. Yep. You can't even see the, some of the numbers are just blurry because you just, they move too fast. So, um, well, yeah, we just want to wish you, um, you know, happy holidays, uh, however you celebrate this time of year with, with you and your family. Um, thank you again for, for supporting us for another year. Uh, and oh, you know, I, some, I remembered what I was going to say. All right, hold on one sec. That's all right. And, uh, you know, some exciting news for us. Uh, In 2023, we expect to uh, start shooting these uh, and having video and and putting it up. So if you, you know, want to see us sitting here chatting with each other, uh, you know, that we're hoping to to get uh, the videos up as well so that people can see um, us talking about it. If not, Obviously, the podcast will be where they always have been. Um, thank you again for your support. Obviously, we, we really, really appreciate it. So what was your um, your thought that you remembered? I, I was going to say a goal for would be for this podcast to make a dollar a second. That would be pretty neat. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that'd be. That was my, my end of the episode joke. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, then we would just do the podcast <laughs> full time if that was the case. But uh, woo, no. Woo, 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 woo. Yep. I got to start so, somewhere. That's right. Yeah, like Tanner said, we appreciate uh, your support. Um, we enjoy doing this this podcast, and we're uh, we're gonna do some some cool things. Hopefully, um, in the next couple episodes, um, getting stuff um, in video format and more. Um, visual so um with that said uh if you do enjoy the podcast please share it with a a friend tell them about it uh, post it to social media Um, if you have any questions or suggestions we love to hear from you Uh, shoot us an email at podcast at financially sharp.com that's podcast at financially sharp.com merry christmas happy new year we'll see you in the next episode This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, tax, financial, or other professional services. Investment advisory services are offered through Harmony Wealth, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please contact Harmony Wealth at 602-935-5155 or at HarmonyWealthAZ.com. Bye.
That'll be at the end. 